What up, everyone? Welcome to Question of the Day. This is M2 May. I'm here, Conchita. Yes, and um, yeah, how you doing today, Conchita? I'm okay. You know, it feels like it's been a long week. Yeah. Even though time is irrelevant these days. Yeah, but, uh, I, I told someone yeah. I, I don't understand time anymore. It's true. I don't, it's all just bleeding together. I don't, I don't get it anymore. It's gotten to the point where I... I it's gotten me a little uncomfortable that I don't I don't understand time anymore. I don't I don't I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm wasting time or being uh, productive. I don't know what's going on. If I'm like meeting my appointments or I'm way behind, <laughs> I don't know what's going on anymore. Yeah, I know it kind of makes it hard to work because you know we're all working remote now. Yeah. Well, I guess you're off right now. Are you? Are you? Yeah, I'm off. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm a professor. So, but I, I you know, it's. I'm out of my faculty obligation, but the um, the strange thing is because of COVID, not strange thing, the, the pressing thing because of COVID, there's a lot more uh, meetings virtually to deal with the probabilities of the fall term and how we're going to go about it, you know, and it's... Have you made a decision yet as a department? No. No, because a lot of it, you know, I work for a state university, so now we're dealing with hierarchy, so we can't do anything autonomously to a certain degree. You know, what we, what we teach, you know, is autonomous, you know, our philosophies, things like that. But, well, you know, nothing's completely autonomous in this country, but uh, (laughs) as far as the parameters of what we can do in terms of COVID, that has to do with the state first, you know, the governor, Mm -hmm. the governor, and then like the chancellor, I don't know what their uh, mechanism is of how they go about it. Then it goes down to, you know, to yeah, the SUNY chancellor. Then it goes down to the individual schools, um, our provosts and heads. Then it goes to our department heads and to us. So it's it's like there's like eight levels um, at least, you know, maybe it's, there's probably a few levels in there that we don't even know about, a few, a few shadow people. So <laughs> I wouldn't. I, so there's no overall decision yet about whether well, no, the fall term is going to be remote. Yeah, I think everyone is assuming that. Yeah, like uh, CUNY, I know, is like already. But I think fully like to a degree. But remote. but they still have like you know I, I think it's like like the general consensus that will be remote. But like there are some people who do have to live on campus. There's people who right. who rely on living on campus or international students, right? You know, I ha- I have students who live in countries where like the time zone is ten hours away. They can't do Zoom courses. So maybe they have to be allowed to come and live on campus in a social isolation, you know, so there's lots of things into that. And then how do you go about, you know, and then teachers, you know, a lot of things for us is um, facilities, right? You know, we're at home using our computers, but like, you know, I don't have any children, you know, Mm -hmm. though I do live in a scenario where me and my girlfriend are both working from home. So say we're both working from home that might not work for some people. What if we were in a studio apartment? Mm-hmm. Right. That's actually really true. That's tricky because not every professor or lecturer is going to have the ability to teach remotely. Yeah. Especially. Um, on. Yeah, exactly. Like prof- right. professors ain't rich, man. I mean, we, 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 mm. we, have, we, we, have, we have stories of professors. Like w- w- there was that really sad story years ago about that professor who died in like her classroom or something like that. 
What? Yeah, like she was like sleeping in her car, and then they they found her like under the desk or something. She passed away in her classroom, right? Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, yeah, really, really sad story. Like she was, she was an adjunct. There's just like you know, there's tons, and I. The adjunct professors are the ones I feel for the most in this situation because, yeah. you know, they're and, and even the full timers like like myself, where it's like we have to use our own equipment. So there's there's definitely the, the degree. I don't use my computer for school except for like planning lessons and maybe editing some video. But like the majority of the bulk of the work on uh, technology wise is done on devices that I use at the, at, at the school. So now I'm using my own devices, things like yeah. that. You know, which like I'm happy to do to a certain degree, but the same token, there is inequities. What if someone doesn't have a, a someone doesn't have a system that's not on its last legs? Exactly. I wonder if it's if there's like that disparity. If you teach at a private university, if you get paid a lot more, if it's just as like I'm sure. well, I'm sure I'm sure there is a disparity. But you know, one of my adjunct professors, I remember was um, he was brilliant. Yeah, and I loved him, and he was also a Starbucks barista because there was just no way for him to survive it was poverty wages well from what i i gather being an adjunct professor no matter where is not a good is not a good um financial system it's just not um i i i think you know i I learned something really interesting um no i won't say where what school but um i found out so in one of the things about my school is in the union um Part-time faculty, full-time faculty, tenured faculty, everyone is in the same union, right? And, wow. e- and even some staff. And even, I think, all of staff, I think, is, like, outside of maybe, like, maybe like custodial staff is not with something like that. Maybe they're in their own union. I found that at a major, major private university, adjuncts are in their own union, separate from full-time and tenured professors. Oh, that's fucked. And I was like, that is horrible. Right, because then the full-time faculty has no incentive to really align with the adjuncts. Tenure professors have all power on campus. Like there was this great—I don't know if you—I don't know if you saw this debate. There was this uh, situation where uh, a tenured professor who, like, he—I think it was like the day after he got tenure—he wrote this massive uh, article calling out tenured professors to, you know, for not supporting adjuncts. And um, I forget the, the, the term that we don't have it much in our in our school. Um, it's like gr- graduate workers, mm-hmm. like graduate workers. So like, you know, calling out tenure professors to to to, 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 to support the end of the exploitation of the, the, the this class. And man, he got hate mail from tenure professors all across the country. You have to send me that. Yeah, you have to I'll that find it. Champagne Sharks did a piece uh one love to my homies T. I know he did an episode on it. Um and it it, it was powerful. Like I, I remember like, hearing the guy talk and it was really deep. Where like and I I talked to it's funny, I talked to a friend of mine who's a tenure professor, um, and he was very like he was upset that ad that that, that um that tenure professors were reacting that way. Because he was like, of course, like when you get tenure, you have power. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you have power. You should use your powers. But that's what the article was saying. Let's use our powers for good. Right. right. And they're like, oh, you act like we have more power. Like, no, it's like that. Yeah, you know, kind of do. kind of do, bro. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. So, yeah. In short, uh, it's an interesting time. And, you know, but I think that's the country now, man. I think everything is, there's nothing that's not in a weird seesaw state you know 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the times, I mean, it's, it's the times we live in, but also just the economy, the way it's set up, right? And, yeah. You know, my, my husband the other day um, found out they were laying off like 4,000 people. 4,000 more people at his job and we were just like waiting for the news to see if he was going to be one of them and this is after they already just laid off about like 2,000 people and uh, I tell you I mean I know part of it a large part of it has to do with the virus obviously because of the impact of the the response and the economy but I, I can't help but like wonder if some of these corporations are just using it as an excuse to trim the fat so that they can lay people off. I mean, totally. Look, I have a, I have a very good friend. Um, he might have talked about it uh, publicly on, on his cast, but I won't say who he is. But he, he was let go from his company like a week into COVID. Mm. And they did not have – everything he's told me was they did not have to lay him off. They did it. They used COVID as a reason to cut costs, right? Like right. This, his, like his, the, the owners of, of of the company he worked for, they made so much money that they could have, uh, you know, taken the, his salary onto their own and like, cut it out of their own, and still would have right. not even like felt anything. This wasn't like some mom and pop shop, you know what I'm saying? This is a major, you know, company with a lot of money. And it is happening, you know, like, especially, I think, for people who don't have unions. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the one thing that probably protects teachers is that we have unions, you know. Sadly, you know, depending on your institution and the, the rules, adjuncts don't always fall into that. You know, but they can't, like, full-time professors, like, like, I think things would have to get really bad before they would furlough any, any people like that. You know, yeah. but the only reason why that is the case is because of the unions. So these people right. who who work in, you know, corporate America or places that have no union protection, man, like it's you're seeing this how flimsy capitalism is. Right. And I mean, that's the thing that you're also very much seeing with the gig economy. Right. You have a yeah. bunch of freelancers who don't have any protections whatsoever and they're trying to unionize or trying to organize and uh, keep getting squashed by, you know, the Goliaths of our economy. Yeah. I need need to learn more about unions. Like, I mean, I get, I, I, I've been in unions since I was like, I was, I got on the screen actors guild when I was six, 16. So I've been in a union since I was 16 years old, but I need to learn more about unions and like the specific ways of like, why are there no unions in corporate America? Like zero. It's really hard to unionize. It's really hard, Walmart, right? Yeah, I think the Walmart workers were trying to unionize for a while, and they kept getting, you know, yeah, they kept getting pummeled by the corporation. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's the threat, especially for working class people, there's the threat of losing your job. And so, I mean, unions are, I mean, there's there's a whole range of, conversation right because right now there's like conversations about the police union being actually like well, yeah. a terrible thing yeah. right for um for the institution or for at least the public um to hold them accountable because of the union but i think but 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 i my i'm sorry to cut you cut in but my my thought is is it just is that is the reason for that just because the police are just bad like there's nothing that can make them better <laughs> yeah yeah, I think that I mean I think the institution itself is flawed. Exactly. It's not the like, union we shouldn't that makes have it worse. 
at all. Right, right. They're just a shitty institution to begin right. with. Right, they're using right? unions as a, a, a really right. good thing, as a way to kind of shield themselves. Absolutely. It's fucked. And um, it is fucked. And it's, it's, it's so interesting because um, without unions, I mean, I, you know, Jacques, my husband's brother is part of a union. And, you know, when you're part of a union, and my friend's husband is also a, a union worker, and they have really, like, when you're in a union, you have better insurance, you have, you know, even if it's a job that's like, you know, a hard labor job, you have better protections than you do if you work in corporate America. Yeah. 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 No, I, I there's a few people that I know firsthand who live in corporate America. And it's because the, the reason why I ask that is there's certain jobs in corporate America that should totally be union jobs. Totally. Like, I totally get why a stockbroker doesn't want to join a union. Right. And, like, in hypercapitalism, it's it, it's an individualist game. I totally get it. It's a, it's, it's, it's a shifty mover and shaker position. I totally get it. But, like, certain office workers and staffers, like, should be, like, should be unionized. People who right. like, like, like like people who who like work on like phones and things like that, like call centers, like that's like to me a total like union job. Right. Like right. it's so there should be a unionized standard for those people. It makes retail no, workers should retail, all be unionized. Should all be unionized. And it's it's crazy yeah. to me because like I, I see these jobs and I'm like, wait a minute, like you're like I've had a job that's been similar where you do a kind of work and there's such a clear hierarchy and you can be laid off and, and manipulated and treated so poorly so easily. And I'm like, this is totally a union position should totally be a union. And it kills me when I find out there is not that. And I was like, Oh, cause like, you know, people don't know. I've been an artist most of my life. Right. I've had jobs. Trust me. I had tons of like, you know, jobs where i had to do things before i became like a teaching artist in my mid-20s i had a lot of, you know I did, I did the restaurant work and all that stuff and all these things but anything corporate like I, I worked in an office like once in my life right how was that experience i can't imagine you it was that. really weird i was a, um i was a caller um for a um uh what was exactly they were basically they 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 did um fundraising dinners for like major, I'm talking for like major, major like groups, like for like the Yankees and like all these people. Oh damn! So like I'm talking like you know people were buying two hundred thousand dollar tables and things like that. So I was the person who would call places like Goldman Sachs because I went to theater school and I can like make my voice sound very you know I can get very Lawrence Olivier when I need to. I could like go in there and like <laughs> you know ask these people. Are you going to be purchasing your two hundred and fifty thousand dollar table again this year? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm serious. Right. I'm not lying. Maybe with right. sort of, it was it was at least twenty five thousand. Damn. Right, and I'm calling like Lehman Brothers. I'm calling all these places, and it was weird because like the actual office was like really dilapidated, right? You know, like because it was honestly like it was a corporate job, but they were like by the skin of their teeth, and I, and from what I I know they're not. I think it was like the mid like the early two thousands, and when I worked there and. The way things are now, they're actually no longer exist as a company because the model the model doesn't really work anymore. From what I've been told, the, the, the that fundraising model has totally changed, so that company became obsolete. Um, wow! But yeah, that was the one office job I ever had, and I was like, man, you know. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Even in the nonprofit world, I I remember a couple of years ago, 
um, or a while ago now, and it might still be going on, um, social workers in New York were trying to unionize. And, and the nonprofits where a lot of social workers worked were definitely not for it. I, I remember when the teaching artists tried to unionize. Ooh. I remember yeah. that, and 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 you know certain. I think Lincoln Center there, there, there they have a their teaching artists have a union, um and but I remember there was like a, it's like a long time ago when I think there it might have even been before Lincoln Center had theirs. There was like a big push to have like a um a, a big union across you know, different teaching artists, professions, but it never really went anywhere, you know, and it, yeah, it's sad, man. Like it's, it's a thing. I guess we, 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 we need to get on a union person. We do. Let's, yeah. Let's get a, that would be a really let's, good episode. Let's get a union person on and you know, really have some conversations because like, I, I, you know, like I know things and I believe in unions. I'm all, I'm all about it. I'm about it. I'm about it. I'm about it. But like, there's things that just like, boggle my mind that i get on an intellectual level but i still just need someone to give me like the breakdown of like why though <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think we would both benefit from that because i i too i'm like i I need, I need to understand this better yeah like why but why you know i, I i'm the i'm I, i'm that 11 year old kid but why <laughs> yeah well that's why the question of the day is the name of our yes podcast because we have lots of questions so kachita you said you have a question right i do what's your what's your what's so your question? my question okay. today is does because of you know we're going to get into the conversation of why this came up but does identity politics matter a and to what extent? I mean, if it does matter, let's say we agree on the premise that it matters, um, what are the limitations of it? Well, my my first thing uh, that kind of jumps into my brain is two things. How are we defining identity politics? One. And, um, and then once we go from there, um, well, how are we defining it, me and you? And then how is the country or our world um, embracing and how does it embrace identity politics? Because from my feeling, I don't see an identity politics ad uh, adoption by the populace. That's, that's similar to like the original idea. Right. And I think sometimes people get tripped up. Like when I see something like I had a conversation with someone uh, some 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 time ago, a good friend of mine, and he's a big believer in identity politics, right? And I said to him, I said, "Well, here's my thing: the identity politics that is practiced today isn't the identity politics of, you know, the Combahee River where it was started, where like the the the, the Bar Barbara Smith, right? Bar Bar Barbara Smith, right? The person who who coined the phrase and 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 that group. Um, it isn't the same, and." He, our challenge was he felt like um, it didn't matter to a degree. Like it, it, it was, it should be allowed to evolve. And I was like, well, I, I agree with allowing things to evolve, but what things evolve to? Ev evolution isn't good in itself, right? Mm -hmm. It isn't good in itself. But I also one of these people. I do believe in acknowledging the original traditions. So. I see two types of identity politics. And if we go into like the Barbara Smith style, 
um that style the Combahee river style is 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 you know heaped in like leftist solidarity right you know it's it's definitely saying putting black women forward and like i'm i'm not going to get it to totally um correct but it's saying you know we have a specific injury and a specific need right and within this revolution that we want to make that is down on end of hierarchy and a I would say socialist uh, framework that they had, we want to make sure that our specific, you know, needs are addressed. I'm down mm -hmm. for that. That's, that's, mm -hmm. I'm 100 with that because they're still speaking about solidarity, not trying to silence anybody else. This identity that exists now. Yo, mm. that is 100%. Yo, it's just Sheryl Sandberg, man. It's Sheryl Sandberg, <sighs> uh, homegirl who wrote, what, what's, what's the name of her big book? Lean in. Lean in. Yo, have you ever read Lean in? Hell no. <laughs> but like, not not even for for like fun though. I I can't <laughs> I can't stand her. Yeah, I mean I haven't read it She's either. I'm sorry. So like, it's not like smug. A, it's not like I haven't read it either. I've I've only read quotes from her. Like, and I've seen like her her like her picture. I feel like I, I don't. I I think I heard her talk once, and I was like, ooh. Like nah, <laughs> that's exactly my. Yeah, she gave uh, like a TED, she her. gave like a TED talk, and I was like, ew. There's actually an article out that I I haven't read yet. It was on like like the end of the girl boss that I want to read. Oh, have you read this art? Have you seen an article? No, it came no, out no, no. a couple of days ago. It's saying, I I think it's talking about if they don't name her specifically. I think they're talking about how I think people are well, some people are sniffing out, you know, the ruse that she sent. For people who are not familiar with Sheryl Sandberg, she's do you have do you know specific things about her like she i mean she, she's the facebook right she works at facebook right she cfo um, or something like that ceo or something yeah. like that one of those things yeah and she uh she became really popular for this sort of um this kind of feminism that tells you to lean in yeah um even as like a mother or as you know like it's too it, okay i never read it i'm <laughs> gonna no, but, but from what i've read about there. it it's yeah, it's out there. It's um, it's that philosophy of you know, when you become a mother or a parent or whatever, as a woman, you you don't want to back off your career. That's the time that you actually lean in. Right, right. I could be getting this all wrong. No, but, I think I. I that, that's I my remember general reading sense that. There's it. a really good book actually. Um, that I know you. I, I have to give it to you. You want to read uh, the New Prophets of Capital. That's actually how I mm -hmm. how I found by Nicole Ashoff. So I hope I'm not messing up her name. And she has a whole chapter on her. That's actually the most in-depth that I read about Sheryl Sandberg. And it's, it's a very heavy critique. Uh, New Prophets of Capital is, 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 is a really good book uh, by Nicole Ashoff where she talks about uh, these key figures in uh, modern uh, neoliberal capitalism. Like, I think it was one is Sheryl Sandberg, one is Oprah, the other one was uh, Bill and Melinda. Is it Melinda Gates? Mm -hmm. Bill and Melinda Gates. And there's someone else, but I can't remember who, 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 the, who the other person was. But um, they became these kind of figureheads in, you know, compassionate capitalism or identity-based capitalism and things like that. And that's all Sheryl Sandberg is. And kind of going back to the identity politics conversation, like, I find it all to be that. It's like... I have an injured identity. So because of that, I can do what I want. Right now, I'm going to throw something out there, though. A, a lot of white, I think the issue with identity politics is 
and reason why people I think are 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 have trouble letting it go is because you have a lot of like white leftists or I'm gonna put leftists in quotations, a white like DSA people who love to like shouldn't write that any politics and be like, yo man, like you black people, you 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 women, y'all obsessed with identity politics. Get rid of that shit. You know, I think Bernie tripped himself up a lot of times with with using the phrase in that way. Um but what they don't realize is white working class people are about identity politics. <laughs> 100%. They actually, I think white working exactly. class people and white women use identity politics the most. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, do you agree, Kachita? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, I am so happy you've said that. Yeah. Because that's the, 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 the strange irony is that white working class folks who, you know, who kind of came out of this Trump era saying all sorts of like, oh, you know, identity politics doesn't matter. We just got to focus on class. But class politics is also identity politics. Right. Right. And that's the thing. So where it's like, you know, I think Bernie, like, that's where I think the thing with Bernie didn't really sit well with people. Because Bernie was deriding, you know, oh, identity politics isn't good. But then he would constantly invoke the needs of the white working class. And like, and I'm not saying he, was, he wasn't doing it ambiguously. He was doing it like verbally specifically. But then saying that's the, but then like, I don't know that, I don't know if anyone ever directly asked him, do you realize you're practicing a form of identity politics? I don't know if, or he's in the public sphere. I don't know if anyone ever did it to his face or he right. was like there where he had to answer that. But like, that's my thing with it. But um, yeah, so that was a long way of answering your question that like, I think it depends on how we're defining it. So I try, I do try something with identity politics now, right? Um, that I think hopefully pleases people, right? When I say identity politics in the positive, I'll just say identity politics, Right. I, and I, I'm going to give that to Barbara Smith and them because I have a lot of respect for their their politics and the things that they've done. But when I talk about the shit that I don't like, I always put like neoliberal before before it. I go like neoliberal. Uh, that is a politics, good distinction, you know, because right. like, I don't want to like, you know, these women did some did some dope shit. And I don't want to like give their shit to whack people. <laughs> right. Right. But as with most things, capitalism kind of just co-ops shit, right? Right. And so, and and our our tend towards our tend to want to individualize things in America, right? Yeah. So now, instead of being about solidarity, it becomes about um, singular power of a group. And then you have groups now becoming divisive because yeah. of identity politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I think the liberal thing, I think, is really important i think you have to frame it i think i think people are very I, on the same token people are very tired like people get really offended by the word neoliberal like oh my god it doesn't or it doesn't mean it doesn't, doesn't mean anything you know it's like you know come on man like it does actually mean a lot of things and like just read a book um you know but like on the flip side like there's a thing with language and that's why I, I, I would i would ask you it's like because then, because because then I would ask you that you know I think about this. Should we get it rid of it the, the phrase altogether? Is it is it gone too far? Identity politics. The, the phrase like can we the go phrase. back? Could we? Has it been so co opted that we actually can't? You know, like 
go back to its original oh, form? That is a good question. That's what I would ask uh, you. Yeah. Oh, man. I I don't know. I mean, I do think it's been so co-opted that it's, it's corrupted the, the actual term, that nobody today actually really refers to the original intent or even know or, or even knows that it exists or even know it yeah exactly i mean some folks do i mean there are folks who definitely mm-hmm. you know movement builders that for sure know the yeah and and work towards that definition right try to build solidarity between socio-political like you know groups um but mainstream in the mainstream, I think for sure it's it's lost its meaning and its power yeah. in, on both the right and the left. Yeah, yeah. Or I, quote unquote left. Yeah, and it's it's become a thing where I think um, it's serving like two really bad purposes, and we we've talked about them. One is like you know the Sheryl Sandberg thing is something to believe in. I think I think the word politics becomes a really powerful word in it because. You know, someone who <laughs> trying to I'm trying to use someone. Okay, someone like Lena Waithe, right? Right. Who I if people know me, I'm not a fan of Lena Waithe uh, in 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 many regards. Um, and I think the by by big reason is because of how Lena Waithe uses identity politics. And the reason why I say that is is Lena assumes that her identity is her politics. In itself so and it is is enough to be political so she's like i'm gonna go out into hollywood and like use my identity right and advocate for my identity which like is like really like flimsy is i don't know what exactly mm-hmm. advocating she does right and that'll be inherently political so i'm i'm a political person because I'm well, using my identity as a way to make money or to like, you know, I'm getting I'm, I'm getting more black shows, mm-hmm. you know, or I have more shows about LGBTQ people or this and that. Right. So it's suddenly so, political. Well, there's that quote one. The personal is political. Right. Is that am yeah. I messing up that quote? Yeah. What do you think about that? And this whole idea of I mean, this is a whole other conversation for another time, but just. I guess, do you feel that representation of identity in the mainstream media is worth anything? Do you think it moves the needle in any way? The first question, I don't, okay. And I'm going to need your opinion on the first question back. I, I, I've never understood that phrase. The personal is political. I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, um, I I once, um, one of the best conversations I had ever, like, you know, sometimes you ever have, like, you hanging out with a couple of friends and, like, they have, like, like the super dope argument and, like, y'all are just like, you know what? I'm actually not going to even interject. I'm going to watch y'all talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, well, it was really one-sided because really it was one person was kind of like, I, I agreed with one person and they like were giving it to the other person. And also I felt it was a conversation I couldn't have. And when you know what the conversation is about, you realize, and they were talking about feminism mm-hmm. and the woman. Well, was, that's where it was born out. Of, yeah. And right? the woman was saying that feminism is personal and like you can do, you can be a feminist in any way you want. And then the other person was like, no, that's not true. 
and they were having this getting this really great conversation about it and talking about material conditions and you know and you know the person that i agreed with was was saying no it's it's yes it's personal because it's you and your body but you live in a world with other people so if your feminism is like i'm gonna go out and get mine but that's taking away from others how is that feminism and i was just like i remember i just i I watched it I i was in the bar like with like, with like my drink, oh, sipping your tea. Like, oh, that's a good conversation. Yes, get up. You know, and mm-hmm. so I've never understood that phrase, right? Like, I don't think anybody would ever say black power is. Per- no, maybe they would say black power is personal. Mm. I think some people would say that. But what do you? What do you? What What do you think about well, that? I think again. I mean, didn't the phrase come out of second wave feminism, which Did is it? already? I'm, I'm not sure. Mad problematic. Um. That's my sense. I'll have to look this up. But I I think, I believe so, that it came out of second wave feminism, which is already problematic, right? Um, And Could could I ask you, what is is specific? I feel like I know, but I'm going to get it wrong. What, What is specifically problematic about second wave feminism? And now, isn't it isn't it like the white 1960s feminism? So, you know, that was glorious, third wave, glorious, glorious Steinem. Right. Uh, yeah. That era, yeah. that era of feminism, very lib- liberal, li- um, li- liberal feminism, kind of in yes, a way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that I was like that's what it was, was, but I, I get my waves wrong. Right, <laughs> I ride my okay. waves wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that in itself, to me, is uh, the root of that is already yeah you know, mad and problematic. Um, and also it's just such the the idea of it feels like such an individual again an individualistic look at politics instead of a collective um, experience or struggle there is this woman i'm gonna i'm gonna try to i'm gonna i'm gonna edit it let me let me this is woman uh what's Uh her name she she's a i really like her um ah yes 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 uh you know nancy frazier I do not. She's a, a left political theorist, and she she wrote this manifesto with a few other people. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Chinzia Aruza and Tithi Bachachara. I'm, 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 I might be Ooh. getting it wrong. And it's called Feminism mm-hmm. of the 99%. And, and I, I heard Nancy Fraser speak on Jacobin Radio some time ago, and it was a really great conversation where she talked about identifying that feminism has she doesn't think that it's really like left second wave she think it's actually still in a many ways still there on a popular Evolving level still within second with, wave. within second wave frameworks and she's saying it's because it's not it's not for the 99 percent. it's not for every woman or every person really it isn't mm-hmm. it actually doesn't acknowledge the material condition because she's, she's a committed marxist in that way and and mm-hmm. and, and and um it doesn't acknowledge the material and social conditions of everyday people. She's like, you know, you know, uh, uh, a woman getting, you know, uh, best director at the Oscars does nothing, does nothing for a woman, you know, uh, who's working class. Does nothing. Now, right. I know we get to, I think it's to answer your second question, the whole pride point thing. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, look, 
So uh, we were supposed to do this podcast years ago. I'm going to throw something on there. And one of the things that we went and saw was Crazy Rich Asians. Remember oh that? <laughs> and y'all can't see now. I'm watching Conchita like cover her eyes. And like <sighs> Conchita, and Crazy Rich Asians is, 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 I mean, it's safe to assume that Crazy Rich Asians is probably the, the highest grossing Asian American studio picture. Probably, right? Yes. I, yeah. It's Do you? Probably undoubtedly. I mean, I mean, pride points? <sighs> Here's the thing. Okay. <laughs> I was having this conversation with another friend who's Asian American and was, you know, was kind of like there's a whole spectrum of things to fight for and Asian American representation is one of them. And I wouldn't disagree with that considering the history of the portrayal of Asian Americans in the media. However, when you make it to be sort of the pinnacle of Asian American representation, then you're going to have to be open to the criticism that for one, the way it depicted Asian Americans was very, was, was, Super problematic in the sense that you're depicting rich, yeah. uh, um, rich East Asians with a lot of power because um, they're in Singapore and you know they're whatever. which has, I mean, which, which has, which has its own politics exactly. Yeah. So a lot of actually um, uh, sort of uh, ethnic minorities in say. Singapore, right, found it incredibly um, troubling yeah. and problematic because of being held up as this we're you know we're all about representation and yet you're representing ethnic minorities in singapore as being the maids and the servants and so on and yeah. so forth so yeah i i can't get with that <laughs> it's also just not i mean it's also the asian american experience is so it, it's, a, it's such a range in america that i hate being lumped in because when people say asian american in the u.s it still very much feels like east asian yeah and not inclusive of Southeast Asian, South Asian, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, you know, I, I, I always feel like when it comes to, um, you know, the politics of other groups that are not my own, um, except for white people, um, I, 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 I try to always frame my, my critiques in, in certain ways, um, you know, um, but, st- but still be pretty, you know, direct and hard and the thing that i really struck me about that movie which i didn't like at all like i i don't watch movies like that no matter the color it's just not gonna happen it's just a bad movie and it's bad politics and but what struck me about the film was its politics and this is where we get into the whole identity thing is because i felt the the most troubling thing about the film was how it actually used identity to really push forward really bad political thoughts like the whole, what's her name? Rachel Chu, right? The one, the, the one that that that, that Constance Wu plays. Is that the name of her character? I yeah, remember. I believe so. Um, the character that Constance Wu played is such a example of this. Like um, Tarzan, you know, goes into the wild jungle and 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 tames the other people. There's this social mobility thing that's really you know disturbing the fact that the thing that i i would always point out to people and that they would always be like really interesting was like i would always be like yo she knew game theory right so her whole thing was Mm -hmm. game theory she was a game theorist and people understand the person who like got game theory like really large was john nash right 
John Nash, for people who don't know, John Nash, or people don't know, Beautiful Mind. A Beautiful Mind, right, which is the most sanitized version of oh, John God. Nash. The best, the best thing on John Nash is, I think, I know Kachita has seen this, it's Adam Curtis's thing with John Nash. Mm-hmm. I forget which one. It's which, which of the Adam Curtis stocks. I'll, I'll figure it out, put in the show notes. But, like, yo, dude. Where he basically John Na- John Nash was like a paranoid schizophrenic. He was really paranoid, and he made all these theories in this big paranoia. He was a huge xenophobe. He all these games and devices he created were about finding ways to thwart the other nations. So I'm like Rachel Chu is about game theory, where she goes into another nation and she thwarts the hierarchical top person to get the sun. I'm like. This is some really twisted shit. I'm sorry. This is twisted. I'm watching this going like, right. it's really twisted. And <laughs> that's where identity doesn't mean. I, I, you know, so I was like, you know what, though? I'm not going to Asian Americans like this is y'all conversation. I'm sure the people who are going to agree. I'm going to agree with. So I'm going to like point and say that they're but I'm not going to say what Asian Americans need to be doing. But as black folk, I'll say when Black Panther came out, which I also hate it. And I think has equally horrible <laughs> politics. And very bad neoliberal politics, or like the recent, like like the five bloods with Spike Lee, which I think is really bad politics. Um, I'll say like straight up, like man, I don't care how many black people are in that thing. I get no pride from it. If anything, I get like, I get disappointment. I get disappointment. I get, I get very nervous about like where we're headed and like what what do our ch- what are our children I, I hate to be the person what are our children going to be getting <laughs> but you know i hate to be but like yeah, that but I it think, is i think yeah i think that's i mean i have no personal problem with people enjoying the film as just a film to enjoy it's when you hold it up i mean i'm talking about crazy rich asians yeah and maybe you agree about you know black panther being the same like i it, but when people hold it up as a political and inherently political thing that's my problem with it you know yeah yeah and and or it is political it just has bad politics there you go right like it's like it's it's political it is political you know but it's also very american well yeah i mean that's like the other thing where like that was like yeah that was the other thing about it that I don't really have the vocabulary to, to have a conversation about it, but I always wonder about, because, you know, I don't, this is something I think you could speak to more than I do. Cause you know, my diasporic um, existence is different. Like I'm, I'm an, I'm an American born black. My, my, my family roots go really, you know, long back here. I, I don't have a, a clear like immigration record, you know, that I can recognize. Um, but I find films that are done in America about, immigrant populations and their relationship to their home worlds always very tricky and sometimes i i i i i I go in there going hmm whose side are people on sometimes right and like it's just it, it can be really funny and 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 i don't i i then go to other people and talk first because i'm not you know, I I don't I'm not, I don't come from that experience. I tell them what I'm feeling, and I ask them, "Am I am I getting this right?" Because something's mm-hmm. a little off. And when I watched Crazy Rich Agents, I definitely watched it. I was like, "Whoa, there's some like uh, revenge of of the of, of the American born here going on that I'm feeling. I'm feeling. <laughs> I'm right. feeling. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? You know, like you know. Eh, I mean, you know. So 
don't know, you know. So, you know. But I, I, I have an, I have. So I have a question for you. Can continuing, continuing mm-hmm. with this. So. I don't know how to phrase this question. I'm trying to ask you about the, you know, how 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 do how, yeah. how, how do we do this? How do, how do, how do we get into that? The uh, well, there was a there was a trending topic on Twitter. Yeah. Um, just recently, between it was a debate about the use of X in Philippine Philippine X, right? Versus just Filipino. So there was a whole debate between Filipino Americans who, you know, use it are more and more using it now as a way to be more inclusive and, you know, shift the gender binary, so on and so forth. And Filipinos from the motherland, um, basically feeling like it's an imposition of a Western standard when our language is already gender neutral. The term Filipino is actually gender neutral when it like in the Philippines, um, that's how we just referred, uh, you know, I, I lived a good part of my adolescence in the Philippines. So we didn't really use the terms Filipina, Pinay. I didn't really hear growing that up. Gro- I didn't really hear that growing up. Interesting. I never knew uh, that. Yeah. And okay. it, it, apparently, like I just learned this recently, those terms became more popular here in America because of an effort to, it was, it was a born out of an effort of feminism trying to sort of claim that we were Filipina that we had an, our own identity here. So it's more popular here than it really is back home. And so, you know, you have these two groups of the same diaspora battle duking it out. And it's interesting to see. And I'm somewhere caught in between both worlds because I was born and raised partially here and partially there. And um, I tend to, you know, if, if somebody feels personally that they want to use the x because of how filipina became a term here and now people use it to misgender people so on and so forth if somebody wants to use that personally i have no problem with that i agree in the american context sure it makes sense it's when you start defining the language for people in the country that i start to find it problematic i find it to be very um it's an american it's an american standard placed on people who have been struggling to define themselves after centuries of colonization. And it really bothers me. (laughs) You know this, because I complain about it all the time. She does, guys. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, and gals. Yeah, she she does, she does. Um, um, No, it's interesting. Like, I'm I'm trying to find, like, a black parallel, and there there are... The only one that I can relate relate to um, is it's, like, me trying to dictate things that happen in Africa. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, um, and something that like, like I can't, I can't dictate that, you know? And there's also, there's also, and then you see that sometimes with like people in Africa try to dictate things here, you know? Right. Um, and, and how we should view things and, 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 or how certain things go and, and that could be a fight. Um, not, not getting any specifics. The reason why I say that is because look, this is another one of those moments for me as a, as a as a black man i'm not latino and i'm not you know filipino or, you know i'm not and i'm 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 none, I'm none of these things i definitely have my strong opinions on it um but like i don't make any prescriptive things on what groups should do what i would say though the thing that i think about always with these things is like can america really be in leadership in this global changing of 
identity and how we go about it. Because, you know, there's a weird thing about, I think, our Americanization and I think where um, or, or where where we are in our consciousness of identity, I think, in this country that I just don't know if we are the best. To like, no, we to, are not. We're, we're, I, I just, you know, like, and that's the thing. And, and I say this about, about a lot of things. Yes, I think because, like, America, you know, we have the highest cultural output because of capitalism and also because, you know, we do. I'm, I'm not going to, like, not say that, like, black people in America and Latino people in America, Asian, Asian Americans don't, like, create great things and only only the great things are made outside of here. No, and, and because of hyper-capitalism. But, no hyper-capitalism helps get all the great things that we want out and they mm-hmm. they they utilize it and manipulate it to like you know influence the world right and i think there's sometimes where i think and i'm gonna say this from black people there's a times i think when black people get a little arrogant about that here where it's like oh yeah man we this we that so thus you know anything that we say should go and the, the ones who i see i don't see left people doing that as much i'm gonna be real with you the ones I see it are like the neoliberals, the people who are really into social mobility and so forth and so on. They really get into this thing of like, so kind of what we say goes. And there's still a way that I think that we look at the old lens as backwards. And like, right. you know, it's like, that's my trouble with it or my, my, mm-hmm. my, um, I, I, okay, I'll be real. I don't use it. Mm-hmm. So like, and when what I mean is like, I mean I mean like the Filipinx, like Latinx. I don't use it. Um, if mm-hmm. someone does directly tell me, like if I have a student who in class said, um, "Hi, my name is such and such. I'm Latinx," mm-hmm. I would totally respect that. And I would on on any time I w- I would refer to them, I would call them Latinx. That's what they just. It's, right. it's what their choice. You know, whatever they. I'm down with it if they want to do that right. personally, right? right? I respect them nothing for them to go on their journey. But when I'm talking about my groupings, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't do it. And here is why: I know enough people who I trust who have huge issues with it, and because right. of that, and because of that, I think making any blatant kind of or blatant, blatant, blatant blanket um, mm-hmm. decision. Is unfair. You, you haven't had a conversation yet. Mm-hmm. It's like you. It's like you. Right. It's like you run in the room. All right, name change. What? Exactly, <laughs> and that is my problem with it. It's an imposition. Yeah. You know, when you start naming. It's so American, groups. right? Which is so. It Western. is. It's so American, and 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 so I had Filipinos, my homies from the Philippines, like commenting in Tagalog, like, I don't understand this conversation. We already have a gender neutral language. Most the majority of like dialects in the Philippines already use gender neutral language and Filipino is a gender neutral term for people. Why is this a conversation? And, you know, granted Filipinos in the Philippines don't understand the American context and that, you know, that for folks who are living here and do get misgendered as Filipina because of blah, blah, blah history, that is a thing. And so my problem is just, dude, like, come on, like, stop imposing, like, you're, it's a, it's a sick irony that, you know, Filipino Americans, not all, I'm not gonna say all, but that there's this shift to let's define our people, even though they're not, they don't understand the language or the culture. 
Yeah, that's see, that's there's something fascinating in this about me because I'm 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 or fascinating in this about me to me. Um, hold on, I'm clicking my thought. Um, yeah, what's wild to me about this is this thing where I do sometimes wonder. Do we take on the imperial attitudes of this country? Exactly. That is my problem with it. Because I do think it's a, it's taking on the imperialist attitude of yeah. America yeah. being the authority yeah. on all things. And yeah, and, and and that's where I think things are dangerous. So and and I and, and that's what I said. I said to someone, someone asked me, said, why don't you use phrases like Latinx or things like that as like a statement to talk about a group? I said, Well, this is the thing. It's like if I actually use that and someone has literally told me they find it to be imperialist and not just one person, a ton of people told me they find it to be an imperialist term and I use it. I'm actually damning them. I'm putting them behind. So if anything, I'm just going to like, you know, until we cut, there's a good consensus. <laughs> I'm just going to kind of keep doing what we did before. The other thing is, I have a question for you. This is interesting. This is the only thing I wanted to ask you. Are the reason why they're thinking is why are they thinking that Filipino is uh, a gender term? Are they, you, do you think they're equating it with Spanish as like a Spanish phrase? Yeah. And because, because of the popularization of the term Filipina, right? Which again became popular here. Um, and is not really widely used so much in the Philippines. Right. At least when I was growing up, it wasn't. So, um, so that's one of the reasons. I, I at least one of the the reasons that I've you know when I was following the trend on Twitter, yeah. Um, the threads, the different threads, like somebody said that that that's the reason they don't want to be misgendered as Filipina, and so they use the X. So that I completely understand. Yeah. But you know, but, but you know what's interesting about that because, like, I'm looking at it as like a person uh, from an outsider perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes the, the Filipino Filipina thing makes me think that it's Spanish. So right. it's under like Spanish. So I'm thinking, oh, I get it. So right. I think I think that's what a lot of people who don't know anything like I, I'm not saying mm-hmm. and I'm not saying I'm like I know I, I don't know much, right? People like me who have like a really like lack of understanding, we're thinking, oh, this is a, this, has, this has to do with 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 the, with the Spanish language influence, and it doesn't. Right. And it I think doesn't. and I think that's what a lot of people. I think it's mm-hmm. it's the problem. With it. it gets blanketed. Everything gets blanketed, right. right? It's like blanketed. That's the thing is that um, if if it, if it if the idea is that you know it has to do with the Spanish language. Shit, we were named after King Philip of Spain, yeah. which is already offensive, right? Yeah. So if you're going to, you're not going to make it less offensive by adding an X. I mean, again, apart from personal, someone's personal preference to not be misgendered, but like as a group, yeah. you're not making the term less offensive. And, you know, <laughs> right. a lot of other folks, a lot of other folks are like pointing out like, you know, you go... <laughs> The Philippines is still largely a poor country. Like you're, you know, people in like the fucking barrios and bundoks, like they're not, they're not worrying about identity right now. Like they're worrying about survival, and it is a luxury to think about this as an issue. Yeah, that's another thing, and it's funny. I I, I intercepted a conversation that I didn't step into. I, I I've been doing a lot of on social media. I've been doing a lot of like watching conversations and just being like. <laughs> 
I'm gonna look. It's it's like it's like those it's it's those two eye emojis like just looking <laughs> at it. Um, right. There was and like the popcorn you know gift where you sit there back and watch. Um, there was a uh, a thing that I intercepted that I, a thread that I intercepted and there was a conversation about this about language that you find on like universities or in social justice orgs um, where you see people damn other people for not being up on like the new social justice or oh, academic term language policing right and like saying oh you need to kind of get it together and it's funny i i um i might get this story a little messed up um someone i know um they do a lot of like political work um with uh uh people who are coming out of prison mm-hmm. uh reentry really good friend of mine and she was telling me a story about uh a kind of like you know intern that they had who's super woke you know and like you know like you know into all the new terminology definitely grew up like you know upper class right so forth and so on right and um i'm not i think they were like non-binary they were right they were Mm non-binary right um and you know, they were doing a reentry thing with a guy who had been in, in jail for like 20 something years, right? Mm-hmm. And he referred to her as she or them as she. Um, mm-hmm. And they, like, the way they went about talking to this person about that was like policing them and like damning them for like not being up to, up to like new knowledge. And, and, and my friend who was like, she's awesome. She's like, like really dope person. She like pulled her to the, pulled, pulled them to the side and said, Hey, uh, uh, you know, first of all, you are stepping into a, 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 these people are coming in from a place where they were not given any luxuries. Mm -hmm. Their rights were taken from them. Right. And you are coming from a position of power where you are able to choose and define who you are. The person was also white. Right. And the man was black, which is like another thing um, I think in it where I think that was kind of getting in there where like, well, he's a male, but he's a black male. (laughs) Right. There is no just male (laughs) in society. Mm -hmm. Right. There is no just male in society. He's a black male a black man right so you actually have tons of more power than this person so in this moment instead of saying hey i want to offer you something right this is new thing kind of happening especially also he's re-entering society right it's like it's like a perfect moment like i'm i don't do that it's like a perfect moment to be like hey let me help you re-enter society you know what i'm saying let me, teach right. you some, let me teach you some new things, right? Right. Right. And and it's funny, when I asked my friend, like, did the person get it? They were like, no. They were so oh, stuck God. on it. And my, my friend ultimately told them that you you can't work in this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm cringing for this person. Um, <laughs> that's so fucking smug. Yeah. And that's the problem with this whole personalist political shit when it yeah. gets to that level, right? And 
And I don't want to say that language doesn't mean anything. We all know it means something. You can move the needle on shit because of language. Like the, the shift from the mainstream using illegal to undocumented was an important one. Yeah. You know, I, I think there are important shifts in language. But this, I mean, in that specific situation, especially like, uh, you know, my friends and I, like who, like my, my Filipino friends who are similar to me, who kind of grew up, grew up biculturally in both places, you know, we have such an issue. I mean, a lot, like I'm talking especially about like my queer Filipino folks here who are like, you, you know, you, you, you white folks, you white queer folks who are like trying to police my grandfather or grandmother for using yeah. the wrong gender terms when they can't even speak really like the language fully fluently nah you better not do that shit right because it's such a it's a lack of context and i had a co-worker who did the same thing who came into my office complete she was white and young and one of those fucking woke ass like i use all the right terms came into my office complaining about an international student who kept using the wrong pronouns oh. and i was like do you not understand that English is not their first language? What about, and then, you know, I mean, y'all like young folks who talk about intersectionality, you're not being intersectional. You know, you're just policing language, which is what a lot of white people like to do because they live in their fucking, especially the folks who live in their ivory towers and really just want to impose shit, not realizing the, the irony of them doing that. Yeah. yeah, word. It's it's. Yeah, it is very. This is the thing where I I I, I begin to question. You know, everything seems to be tailored for who has the like knowledge or who has the. I don't want to use the word knowledge. Who has the who has the special key. And if you don't have the special key, then you not down or you're not with it. And how is that not classist? It is. And how is that not classist? And you know, the, 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 the conversation that I intercepted had to do with uh, an incident in like pop culture that I don't really want to talk about as I don't really care. Um, but there was one, I don't, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm tired of like talking about, two pop stars arguing with each other like i just Seriously. i just don't give a hoot anymore they're not yeah. that smart listen to like smart people talk anyway the one thing that kind of came out of the conversation was was this idea because one of the people one of the parts of the conversation was about um terminology and someone not being up on terminology and a person was kind of expressing that not everyone's going to be up on the terminology and that's not a gr that's not a way to to kind of grade how evolved they are right they may not know the words but if you look at their actions they might mm -hmm. actually be doing everything you say and i think there's a weird idea in people's heads that like if you don't know the term patriarchy you can't be against it hmm which is I, absolutely ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Right. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, I think there are some people who just walk that in their life, part of their ethics. They were taught good by their mama and their daddy. You know what exactly. I'm saying? They would, right. They, 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 they got a good, you know, the construction of life, and they were like, I don't do that stuff. 
Right. Right. right and they when right. they walk in the office, they know when the male is doing this wrong. And when you show them what patriarchy is, they go, oh, I said, OK, that's a name. I like that. Right. I, I'm like right. that. That's the I relate to that. Why? Because I believe in those ideas. Right. But he's like, if you don't know the instead term. Instead of just, right, instead of just the surface level language. Right. And because then there's people who know the surface level language. And mm-hmm. let's look at the actions. Exactly. Let's exactly. look at the actions. You know, like, hey, right. man, you know, anti-racism. Like, man, so, and I think people, that's the thing. So people get these words. They learn patriarchy. They learn anti-racist. They learn misogynoir and all these things. They use these terms to as shields for the fact that they're not very good at fighting those things within themselves and the world around them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, exactly. It's bullshit. It's BS. It's like, it come bullshit. on, man. You you BSing. So it's like, and I'm not saying about everyone. I know there's plenty of people who who use these terminologies, and 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 have. And and walk and have the actions as well, but right. I think those people know who I'm about. Those people that I'm talking about, they know them. Right, they know them. Right. It's like it's like the joke of like when when I was in college, um, and I, I wonder if you had this in your college experience. Did, did you ever go in like to, to like your like 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 a uh, like Asian student union or anything? Oh like yeah, that? we had a Filipino American. <laughs> yeah, for right. sure. So I, I went to the black student union once, man, and um. I remember the one time I went, it was like, was it my freshman year? It probably was like like my freshman year, like second half of my freshman year. I was, you know, I was reading my Huey P, you know what I'm saying, my, my, my Black <laughs> Panthers. I was like, let me get in there. Let me let me see what let me see what they got. And I go up in there, and there was this cat who was leading it. And I've seen this dude on campus. And this dude was like, yo, I mean, let's just say his ethics weren't in the right spots. <laughs> That's the thing. Right. That's the thing. A lot of these folks are fucking mad shady themselves. But then he was up there, like, speaking all the stuff. He had all the language. He had more. I was 18, 19. He had more verbs than I did. I was like, wow, this <laughs> this guy is killing it. I was like, but I seen you out there. Right? And then I realized it wasn't just him. So there was this black woman who was, like, his, like, right-hand person. And I see her too. And she was on some like wild shit. And I was like, oh. So I remember I never went back. And a really good friend of mine, she had asked me, she was like, how come you're about to the Black Student Union? So I told her what I just told you. I said, I, I've seen them out there doing dirty. And they were like, yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing was, she said that everyone kind of knew. <sighs> and, 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 and that's the thing about, I think, I think the whole culture now where it's, and I think this kind of wraps kind of back to the identity politics conversation we were having up top where it's like if you can create the encasing outward, like you, you could you could you could make the the visual that you are woke and all of this. That seems to be enough. Right. The mm-hmm. representation. Right. And like, mm-hmm. I feel like representation just isn't like people who are in movies. It's like I dress woke. You know, it's like, like I have to say, man, like there was a time where I think black hair and natural hair was political. I don't think it's political anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's political. Well, anymore. now you see it because you now you see like identity being used in 
gap ads. Yeah. And, it's political yeah. when white people, like there's this young woman that I was just reading about where her principal told her that she can't wear braids to her graduate, young black woman to her graduation. Mm, That's yeah, political. Yeah. When, they, right, when, right. when when they use our bodies, um, mm-hmm. whoever, black, Latino, Asian, uh, indigenous, anything, when they use our cultural you know things to try to say, you can't do that here, that's mm-hmm. when it becomes political. But just yeah. like making your hair natural, Ain't, but, in but, itself, in, in itself, is not political, right? Right. 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 Now you have to, if, you, if you attach it to a platform, but I think that's what it was when Angela Davis was rocking an afro. She was also like attaching it to, you know, socialist, you know, black politics. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And it's mm-hmm. like now people just be like, I got an afro. I'm like, <laughs> cool. Shaft had an afro too, and and that wasn't <laughs> political. Well, yeah, no, it wasn't. Shout out to Gordon Parks, though. I got I got a problem with Richard Roundtree. They 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 good people. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those conversations that's ongoing because yeah, we, I think we could actually keep going. I, we could keep going for sure, and I think I think like I have no problem with it being a conversation, but I think the problem is that it's usually not. It's an imposition. Yeah, or it's an assumption that this is the right way. To do things yeah it's just this is it's I, this is where i really realize i think we're in a really dangerous time because i i i think americans have to and this kind of goes back to the beginning where like with like white leftists you know saying oh you're practicing identity politics but they're not right and mm-hmm. i use leftist with quotations because i actually don't think a lot of people are very left i think a lot of mm-hmm. them are you know uh, my homie Trevor over at Champagne Sharks constantly always says they just want free healthcare and free college. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not, they're mm-hmm. not, they're not so. And then they'll be good. And they'll be, yeah. they'll be good. They still want brand yeah. culture. <laughs> they still want brand culture. They don't really want much. I mean, I think about Bernie. Bernie's really a social democrat. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's where the hard left's critique of Bernie, I think, was always really good. He just wants a reformed mm-hmm. capitalism. He's not a socialist, right? Mm-hmm. Not that he has to be. Well, I think he does have to be. But you know, on the flip side, you know, like. <laughs> I would have voted for the guy, but still, you know. Um, But, yeah, that's the thing where, like, we have to also accept that I think that we, and when I say we, I mean, like, black people. um, Well, I'll say black people, and I think this is parallel to others who are not white. Um, We have to accept that we can adopt some of that white imperialist energy. Just as being Americans. Yeah, just, just as by being Americans. Being Americans. It's yeah. being Americans. You know what I'm saying? Like we can adopt some of that. And and it's not law it's not lost on us. You know what I'm saying? Because that's kinda how we were taught to go about things, right? And 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 we're not necessarily taught to have respect for other cultures. In this country, please, man. Look, man, no 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 no. And and I and I'm gonna say that someone who's lived out of this country, the same does apply on the other side. It's not like people mm-hmm. have respect for Americans. I, yeah. I, I, def- I definitely look at, I, I was telling someone when I lived in Spain, people were like, I, I heard they like Americans out there. I said, no, 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 no. There are people who like American culture. Mm, yes. They love it. And they want to get an American culture. Even the ones who like want to live here, but like they definitely see Americans in particular ways, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them may not be wrong. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But mm-hmm. there's definitely uh, uh, sometimes more often than not an acknowledgement of, oh, well, you know, we're an older country. We're this, we're that, we're this, we're that. Though mm-hmm. it was interesting being black there. Like it either went one or two ways. I was either like still, you know, still a Negro 
in a negative way or like there were some who were like oh you're different you're like but in a, <laughs> but in a good way like it was weird oh. it'd be weird sometimes like yeah, yeah it was just strange you know i actually I, I shouldn't even that, that's that's like a long one but but um but yeah but, but that's no, true but it's true it's true it's like a real it's shifty you know you don't you don't really know like but i say that all that to say that like there's a way that I think all countries kind of impose their doctrines on others. You know, this has, this is big in the black community. There's a lot of conversations right now between, um, you know, black, black American born black people who come from other countries, the Caribbean from Africa, stuff like that. What our relationship is, this it seems to go in waves every ten years. I think the internet has like exploded the conversation. It's kind of gone down, I think, a little bit in this moment. It'll come back up though. It'll come back up though. And I'm not saying it's not a necessary conversation though. I'm not saying right. that. I think it's actually a very necessary conversation on both ends. And I think mm-hmm. I think there's like there's some bad shit on both ends, right? Um, like some really bad shit like some really bad shit and like people need to straight up and i think if i had to make my 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 and this would be my my last point i think the bad shit that i'm back that black americans do is is pretty acknowledged i think it's pretty acknowledged i don't think the other side is acknowledged as much Hmm. of the shit that they do you mean that that they do like people who come here and have certain visions of black americans i don't Mm -hmm. think i don't think it's acknowledged much because i think it's anti-blackness is popularized right it's like it's fine it's fine to be anti-black you know what i'm saying like you know they're like Mm -hmm. and they're like i can't be anti-black i am black it's like yeah yeah, you can can, though yeah Yeah, you can so you know and it's definitely acknowledged like you know like black americans do some wild shit you know and say wild stuff about black people not from here I, i grew up with it it's not cool but on the flip side, like it happens on both sides, you know. Like, um, you ever seen Sugar Hill with Wesley Snipes? No. There's a great scene in it. Well, it's not a great scene. It's actually a sad scene. And I, I always show people this scene because I was like, people have been talking about this for years. Um, Wesley Snipes in the movie, really quick, plays a, a, a drug dealer with his brother, um, uh, played by my by by Michael Wright, and they're like trying to break away a uh, break away from like the Italians and all of that. It's a good script. Movie could have been better, but in the movie, there's this moment where they try to branch out with these two African brothers, mm-hmm. right? And the African brothers were like, we can't work with you. And they're like, what are you talking about? Brother, brother, brother. They're like, you're not my brother. You're Akata. And Akata is this um, derogatory term for black Americans. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's a thing that does exist. And like, and they get into a fight and a sure. whole thing. It's like a really quick scene. And I was like, whoa, what is this? And the first time I had ever saw that. And then as I've gotten older, I've seen it. But like, all this to say with the identity thing is I think that kind of bringing it back to the original topic is that identity is real shaky. And like, we, we'd be careful to like make that just the single clarity of our of our political because you you may have that person i think what happens is you may have that person who is black who you know is making a whole lot of money and doing this and doing that and throws up black lives matter when they want to but then like call certain black folk akata every now and then and i'm like right their identity's not enough right sorry yeah i think i think i think going back again to the original point and i guess i'll end on this is 
unless you're using identity as a, a, a way to build solidarity um, in our movements, yeah. in our struggles for liberation for all of us, it's really not a useful tool. No. It's just a divisive one. I hear that. I think that's what we should end on that. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank right. you again for another enlightening conversation. Indeed. Until next time. Until next time. All Peace, right. y'all. Peace. Was it all planned in advance or was I just born by chance in July? Who on earth am I? My friends only think of fun, they're such a curious lot. Must I be the only one who thinks these mysterious thoughts? Someday.